All right, good morning. So we're halfway through the third week of Lent. I preached a few weeks ago about Lent, about how the purpose of Lent and the purpose of giving something up for Lent is about refreshing our faith and preparing our hearts for Easter. Because if we allow ourselves to continue as we normally do, we'll feel like Easter has kind of snuck up on us. And we won't be able to get caught up in the story or to fix our attention and our hearts on the resurrection of Jesus like we want to. And so the purpose of giving something up is that it provides you an opportunity for prayer. Whenever you miss what you've given up or whenever you'd normally be giving it time, you're to take that opportunity and pray. And so... In keeping with the idea of of giving something up to draw nearer to God, we're calling this series Surrender. And each week we'll be talking about something that we're called to surrender to God, which will draw us closer to Him. One quick note about giving something up for Lent. If you wanted to do that and lost track of it, don't decide not to do it because Lent's already begun. Today's a great day to begin a Lent fast. And if you stumble... That doesn't mean you should stop. That just means that you start again. I've had a couple of questions about those, and I wanted to share that with everyone. Today's a great day to start. So our passage today is about surrendering something in order to draw nearer to God by imitating and by obeying Him. So the single sentence summary today is this. We draw closer to God when we surrender our worldly rights to Him. We draw closer to God when we surrender our worldly rights to Him. So let's dive in. Logan read the passage for us, which I'm very thankful for. So the word enemy, early in the passage, right? Love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I tell you, love your enemies. That word enemy, it doesn't really resonate with us the way it would have Jesus' audience. And the reason is because we just don't really use this word today. Most of you probably don't have anyone that you frequently refer to as your enemy. Maybe you do, but I imagine that a lot of us don't. We think about enemies when it comes to nations or big groups, but that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about someone that you have a personal connection to. And so I want you to think of it this way. An enemy is either a person you hate or a person who hates you. That's what that word means. Either a person you hate or a person who hates you. Now, they're usually the same thing, right? Usually they go together, and that sort of sums up the idea of enemy. So what we're being called to surrender today is our right to hate people who hate us. We need to surrender our right to hate people who hate us. So to start with, I want to talk a little bit about love and hate. My favorite definition of love, it's credited to C.S. Lewis, but it's probably a summary of some things that he said about it. And it's this, love means unselfishly seeking another's highest good. Many of you have heard me say this many times. Love means unselfishly seeking another's highest good. 
Now this means that love isn't just a feeling. It's not just a warmth in your heart towards someone or something. It means that it's an action word. It means that love is a verb. It's a thing that you experience and live out. Now often the feeling that we know as love goes with it, but more importantly, is an attitude, a disposition, an intention, an action that we take to show love to another. Hate can have a lot of different definitions. Today I want to think about it this way. Hate is an internal loathing and external rejection of another person. It's, an, it's a loathing and rejection of another person. And like love, hate will also show itself through actions. Even if you don't intend it to, but if you nurse a loathing in your heart, it will show up in the way that you act, the way that you speak, the way that you behave around the person that you have that feeling toward. Now, most people today operate on a system of fairness when it comes to love and hate. It goes like this. If you love me, then I'll love you. And if you hate me, then I'll hate you. That's kind of a a very common worldly way of looking at love and hate. It's a fair thing. If you love me, I'll love you back. And that is fair, I think. It's designed to make sure that The people closest to you are acting in a way that's good for you. The people who aren't are kept at a distance. It's a system that's run on fairness. Now, one of the most astonishing things about the Gospels is how little Jesus Christ is interested in fairness. Fairness was not a very big thing to Jesus. He takes ideas like fairness and he likes to to turn them upside down and inside out and leave them different. Jesus gets wound up about things like grace and mercy and forgiveness and redemption, and none of those things are fair. So Jesus looks at this fair system of loving those who love you and hating those who hate you, and he says, no. He says, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends His rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. In other words, God loves everyone. And you're called to be like Him. If you want to imitate God, if you want to truly be a son or daughter of God, then you need to ask yourself, does God love this person? And the answer to that is always yes. And that means that you need to love that person. Jesus says, love everyone, even the ones who hate you, even the ones who are the very very hardest to love. Why? Why would that be so important? I think one of the reasons is this. We aren't made to hate people. That wasn't part of the original plan. It's not not natural 
to us. And when we do it, when we put our hate on another person, we're in sin. It's like, it's like we've put this barrier that we've put between us and them, we've also put it between us and God. Or between us and the people that God wants us to become. Jesus orders us to love even the ones who hate us because loving them may bring about reconciliation. In fact, the greatest hope for reconciliation between two people separated by something like hate is for one of them to to decide to love, to really love the other one. Another reason is so that we don't fall into something that's bad for us because hate is bad for us. It doesn't just hurt the one we hate, it hurts us deeply. We cannot draw near to God with hatred in our hearts. If you let it, hate will tear you apart, while love will draw you nearer to God. And I think Jesus orders us to love even the ones who hate us so that we will imitate God and draw nearer to Him. And He loves everyone. Now, again, love is about seeking another's highest good. It's an action word. You can't just try your hardest to think nice things about a person. If you try that, just just imagine that for a moment. Take someone that really, really you struggle with and just decide to feel differently about them. You'll find that that doesn't work. Our feelings don't work that way. Maybe yours do, and if they do, you are truly blessed. But for most of us, That's not how it works. We're called to act out love. To seek their highest good. And when we do that, often what we find is that there's a change that happens inside of us. The desire to love them begins. The warm feelings come as we act out, as we unselfishly seek their highest good. And I want to give a disclaimer here. Seeking someone's highest good, loving them, doesn't always mean be nice. This is very important. Loving a person does not always mean be nice. If someone is abusive, you are not loving them by offering yourself up as a target. That's not what love does because it is not good for them to behave that way. Sometimes love means standing up for yourself because it isn't good for you or for them, for them to treat you the way they do. And sometimes love means calling the police. If you're in an abusive relationship, love does not mean accepting abuse. Sometimes it might mean taking action. It might mean staying away from a person. That disclaimer is important because I don't want anyone to leave here thinking that what we're saying, what we're saying love is, is to just allow a person to be cruel. Love is seeking their highest good. And sometimes that can be really hard. Now I want to talk a bit about mixed motives. How many of you, and you can nod if if you know what I'm talking about, 
How many of you have, when you're trying to act in love for someone, you found that the motives in your heart aren't pure? It's not just out of a desire to love that you're acting. There's something else there too. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's, I want to be able to say that I did this when I'm asked about it later. Maybe it's, I know people are watching and this is going to look really good if I give this way. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's, I want to avoid the guilt trip that might be coming later. Or I want to avoid that awful feeling of guilt I'm going to get if I don't act the way I know that God wants me to. And usually that's combined also with a real genuine desire to love. And inside of you, those motives get mixed up. We find this all the time. I remember when I was, Lisa and I went up to Rockford for um, a procedure that we had several months ago. I remember going to the Walmart and just being surprised because something that doesn't happen at the Washington Walmart is a lot of people standing outside asking for things. It happens occasionally but it's not real frequently. And I was, on a, I was on a mission, right, from my wife, and I was told to hurry, so I kind of went in with laser beams, right? I, I didn't look at anyone that was outside asking for anything. I got what I was supposed to get, and then it started. You know, the guilt that you should have given, and you didn't? And I looked in my wallet, and I found cash there. I'm never sure if I've got cash left or just the card, but I did. And so I went outside, and, and, and here are the thoughts that are going through my mind. My gosh, I'm a pastor. What if someone sees me just walk past people in need? Wouldn't that be terrible? And oh my word, this is going to haunt me all night if I don't give anything. And I really hope I can help them even a little bit. All that was mixed up together. What we would call the right motive, the desire to love, gets mixed up with other things. And so the question is this, when your motives are mixed, and if you don't ever have this problem, you can just tune me out because I'm not talking to you. If you have this problem, you need to hear this. What do you do when your motives are mixed? And you know what I'm talking about, right? Maybe you want to read your Bible, but you don't really want to read your Bible. Should I still go ahead and read? I know I should be praying, but I'm just dreading praying. Should I really step into the throne room of God with that kind of an attitude? I want to give money into the offering plate, but you know what? I really have a terrible attitude today. Should I really be doing this with this kind of a heart? Let me tell you, the answer to that is always yes. You do the good even when your motives are mixed up. And the reason is because if you spend a lot of time looking inside, you'll find that almost always your motives are mixed up. At least that's the case with me. Almost regardless of what I'm doing, my motives get mixed up. There's good and there's not good. And that happens because I am a broken sinful person who is redeemed by Jesus who is putting me back together. And that process is still happening. I'm not perfect. That should be a surprise to absolutely no one here. And you aren't either. 
And that brokenness that goes straight down the middle of our hearts means that we can look at a person and both desire to love them and really, really not desire to love them. It means that we can look at a need and want to want to meet it. Do you know what I mean when you want to want something? It's like dieting. You want to want to eat well, but you know you really don't. What do you do in those moments? If you know what God has asked from you, if you know the good He's called you to do, then the answer is clear. In those moments, you love. You give. You open your Bible and read even though you don't feel up to it. You step into the throne room of God in prayer even though your heart isn't right. Especially because your heart isn't right. In those moments when our motives are mixed up, we're called to choose the good. So I'd like to give you a challenge today. I'd like you to search your heart. Who is the person that comes to mind when I say, love those who hate you, or love those that you hate? Because Jesus says you don't get to hate people. You will. You'll struggle with that. I think that I can safely say that every human being is likely to struggle with that at some point. But Jesus calls us, even in the midst of that, even in the midst of awful, awful things, even in the midst of great reasons that if you laid them out, any any person would agree, this is a person that you have a good reason to hate. Jesus calls us, to let that go and to commit to loving them. So who is that person? Does someone come to mind? Do several someones come to mind? My challenge for you this morning is to start with prayer. It's what Jesus says to do, to pray for those who persecute you. And that's a good step. And when you pray, don't pray this way. Lord, please fix them and help them to see about how terrible they are. Maybe pray for this. Lord, whatever it is about me that sets them off, if it's something that doesn't honor you, help me see it and change it. Maybe it's this. Lord, I don't know if they know you or not, but I would just like to ask you to grab hold of their hearts, draw them closer to you than they've ever been before. And what you'll find is if you really commit to praying for this person, not not the kind of prayers that you you can do in an underhanded way, right? But, But real, genuine desire to love and to bless, your heart will begin to change toward them. And then, maybe you're already there, I want to challenge you to act. I don't know what that looks like. Maybe it means finally letting someone know about the things that a person's been doing to you because you've decided that you're going to love them enough 
to not let them be in a pattern that's bad for them. Maybe it's you're going to decide to love them enough to start a conversation, a real conversation, and ask how they're doing and how you can pray for them. Maybe it's because you've decided that maybe the challenge I would give you is to decide to go to God and ask, how can I love this person whom I struggle to love so much? Because you see, loving is easy and not hating is easy so long as you don't have a really good reason. But those reasons come and what Christ calls us to do is to turn them over to Him, to commit ourselves to loving, really loving, regardless of what a person has done. So I challenge you this morning, Jesus challenges you this morning, to surrender your right, your worldly right, to hate someone. And instead, take up the call or the challenge to love. Because you, his son or his daughter, you want to be like him. You want to be like God. And God loves everyone. Pray with me. Father God, we come before you so thankful for blessings. Lord, we love you and we praise you. And we thank you for the opportunity we've had today to hear from Thread's hope and love. And Lord, we ask from your word today, you call us to love everyone. And maybe we're not very good at that, Lord. And we ask if that's the case that you would just Put a conviction in our hearts to find an opportunity to love. Lord, to love even those that we have the hardest time loving. And we need your strength to do it. We're not capable of it on our own. We need your help. We need your spirit. We need your empowerment and encouragement. And we ask for that, Lord knowing full well that You are capable of enabling us to do anything. We pray all these things in Your Son's holy and precious name. Amen.